0: This program is brought to you by Personallifemedia.com. Hey, welcome back to The Fearless Lover here on Personal Life Media. I'm your host, Adam Gilad. Every week we explore the spiritual foundations of how to create a life of love, something most of us say we want, but not everyone's willing to put the work into actually achieving.
1: Well, we both have a Buddhist foundation which is about benefiting others, all sentient beings benefiting from each person's actions. You know, and I must admit, that was not the complete focus when we got together. It's a foundation that we both have. Well, part of the appeal of falling in love is that merging, the melting of the boundaries between two people that feels so wonderful.
0: My guest this week is someone I recently met. Her name is Lorraine Platt, and with her husband, she has a uh, counseling uh, practice in Marin County, and I love the title of it. Uh, first of all, Lorraine, welcome.
1: Thank you, Adam. Hi.
0: Hi. Now, you guys are real-life therapists, correct?
1: <laughs> yes, we are, licensed and everything.
0: Licensed and everything. And um, what, what got me interested in your work as I started really exploring it is that you work a lot with couples and with singles um, in terms of how to find love, but the title of your practice, it's right up front there—is not just passion, it's passion and purpose. So how does purpose play a part in creating an, an enduring love relationship? That's a
1: great question. We chose that name because our focus in working with couples is bringing the masculine and feminine principles together. So passion is the feminine, and purpose is the masculine. And, of course, everyone knows you need passion in a successful relationship for it to be juicy, for it to be really connected. But the purpose is finding a meaningful and compatible partner, meaning it's clear, it's grounded, and it is purposeful in your life. It brings Healing to each individual and to the relationship itself as it evolves over time.
0: Now you, you said that the purpose is the masculine principle, but it's something that both partners have to express.
1: Exactly. The purpose is the clarity, the focused masculine presence and both people of course have masculine and feminine in them and in terms of creating a good foundation in a partnership there needs to be the clarity that this person is a good fit for you so it can't just be based on emotion or attraction that's one part of course a very important part of a relationship but there also needs to be the very practical piece of is this person good for me
0: and when you, when you look at purpose I'm trying to get, it's not just that, do we have the same purpose in life? You're saying there has to be a commitment, I would think, of purpose, a purposeful relationship, that I am on purpose in this relationship, that it's not, you know, anterior or, you know, uh, tangential to my personal life.
1: Exactly, that it's meaningful to both people, and ideally that it spreads out into the community, that the relationship of that couple is beneficial to their community, that it's not just to feel good or to have something that they want in their life, but that, like I said, it heals each person as an individual and that that person can take what they're learning out into the greater community and be of service.
0: Beautiful. So it really radiates outward. In, in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you about how fear plays into this and holds people back. But before we get there, you know, not everyone looks at a relationship that way. A lot of people look at it as comfort or uh, escape or um, making up for some uh, sense of loneliness or lack in their life. Um So this it's a kind of high intention for getting into a relationship. And it is kind of a spiritual intention. So I wanted to ask you about, I mean, you're in the heart. You're the whirlwind of spirituality over there in Marin County. <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask you about what, you know, you and your husband have been married for a while. What have been your uh, spiritual influences in creating a practice to help people find love?
1: Well, we both have a Buddhist foundation, which is about benefiting others, all sentient beings benefiting from each person's actions. You know, and I must admit, that was not the complete focus when we got together. It's a foundation that we both have. And you're right, that is a very high intention. And those other more basic needs do come into play of wanting comfort and companionship and all of that. And I think the evolution of relationship happens in stages. And people, as they say in Buddhism, start where they are and then evolve from that. And like I said, ideally transform each other through their relationship so that they are taken to a higher level with each other that does spread out. My other influences are 12-step programs, actually, which have an incredibly strong spiritual foundation, which is grounded in Buddhism, and also a lot of breath work and energy work, which have really served to get me out of my head and into my body. And those are great foundations, very useful in a relationship.
0: I also see that on your list is uh, David Data, both your husband and yourself mentioned him.
1: Yeah, that's actually how we got together. I had a pattern of being with unavailable men, as many women do. And being a therapist for many years, I knew that had something to do with me and what I was creating, but I couldn't really figure it out. And it was when David Data came here to the Bay Area a few years ago that my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he invited me to come to the workshops and to participate with him and practice David's work, which is based on the masculine and feminine principles in relationship. And when he showed up and he committed to doing this work with me, I got really scared. And I had never had a man commit to me, commit to doing something and being available and asking me to show up with him on a consistent basis. So it's like my whole world opened up and I could see why I had been so scared, um, because all I was aware of was really longing to have that connection and then chasing men, and then they would run away, which is, you know, the, a common dilemma between men and women. And to really have an experience of moving out of that, I realized I needed to help other men and women do the same.
0: That's great. That's a good story. I, I understand uh, where you're coming from. What I want to get, I want to dig a little deeper here. Um, when you said he, he asked you to show up and there was fear, For people who are listening, could you explain what you mean exactly by showing up, and how the fear played into that, and then how you overcame that fear? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, let's see. He was asking me for a commitment to explore the possibilities of us being in a relationship together, asking me to be present regardless of how I felt. I think that's the epitome of showing up, is it's beyond what's comfortable. So it's really a second or third stage relationship, as we touched on before. You're not just doing what feels good in the moment, you know, which our culture is so much about. And then people are unsatisfied and they don't know why. So he was asking me to be with him, and commit for a period of time to seeing what happened, regardless of how I felt, because as far as we could see, we could work some things out together and possibly be compatible partners. Does that make sense? It makes sense, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, often people do leave when it gets uncomfortable, and I think they don't know... Not only is it uncomfortable and they want to get away from that, but they don't really know if they're supposed to continue or not, and they don't know how to continue, how to move through it with another person, because people lose themselves, even just in dating, let alone getting into a committed partnership.
0: What do you mean they lose themselves?
1: Well, part of the appeal of falling in love is that merging, the melting of the boundaries between two people that, feels so wonderful and then unfortunately there's often this backlash later because you have lost your boundaries and you don't know where you end and the other person begins mm. uh you know we lose our sense of autonomy the more we connect with another person and so we have to reestablish that uh over time and that requires knowing who we are and what's okay with us, what isn't having particular
0: boundaries. It sounds like a dilemma. How do you... This show is all about being fearless. So how do you fearlessly move into a relationship and allow yourself to have that sort of delicious merging and at the same time maintain your internal autonomy?
1: (laughs) That is... Yeah, that is the dilemma. Yeah, it's an incredible balancing act and such a great question. I think it all starts right here because if people can establish a good foundation in the beginning, then it doesn't have to fall apart after six months. You know, there's that common period after, let's say, three to six months when all of the challenges start to come up, the novelty wears off, and you start to see the other person for who they are. So what I tell people to do is to move into it slowly in the beginning because you will lose yourself. And so if you're going slowly and talking to people and evaluating how you're feeling, if you have the space to actually discern what's happening then you can hold on to yourself while letting yourself fall in a bit, but without it being so much that there's a point of no return.
0: Does that make sense? Well, makes sense. And I like, I like your therapeutic. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting. I'd, I'd like to really nail that down because there's a way that that can be seen as a kind of fear, if it's done in a certain way, as a fear-based caution, but you're not really counseling a fear-based caution, you're counseling something else.
1: Exactly. It's like having, you need a skeleton so that your muscles can relax, right? When you have a foundation, when you have boundaries and clarity and you know what you're doing, um... It's more awareness than, of course, caution needs to come into play. But when there's awareness and a deep understanding of oneself and your intentions, where you're coming from, what you're trying to create, then you can be fearless. Then you can take risks that are um, calculated, for lack of a better word, but um, really are useful in terms of the risks paying off in a way that's really wonderful because you're creating safety as you're going into it, just like a skeleton holds your body together. And so you can totally let go because you've built the trust with yourself. Does that make sense? You know what you're doing and you have a foundation, and then you can just let go because you've learned to trust this other person.
0: I like that. It it redefines caution out of the context of fear and into... You're building an infrastructure. Sound is romantic.
1: Exactly. It's like the Buddhist dakinis, the female Buddhas. They hold an open lotus flower in one hand and a chopping knife in the other, which represents awareness and discernment. And they they complement each other so beautifully because the lotus flower is the open, receptive feminine that just wants to connect and be loved.
0: I just want to point out to our female listeners that the chopping knife is a metaphor.
1: The metaphor, absolutely, yes. It's simply a metaphor, a symbol for discernment so that um, both people can love fully without the fear because mainly they've learned to trust themselves. They've learned what's important to them. They've decided they want to live fearlessly and dive into life and connect with other people. And because they know themselves and they're connected to who they are, they can fearlessly dive in and be fully alive and play with other people and come from a place of trust and see what happens.
0: That's good. Cool. You just uh, remind me of something I know David Data teaches where he says, if you feel that you're falling in love instantly... <laughs> For women friends to come and check out the guy. Exactly.
1: Exactly, which is another um, useful tool of discernment because until the trust is built with the man, the masculine partner, uh, the woman needs to hold that part herself as well as the feminine. She needs to hold the protective energy, and she can use her girlfriends for that, and that can be a spiritual practice. And it's important for women to get together together and really nurture the juicy, receptive feminine as well. Because what I see is that a lot of women get stuck in the cautionary, uh, distrustful, actually even suspicious part toward men, and it really keeps men out, understandably, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You've kind of given me an image of the zucchini, going back to that image, where... Mm -hmm. You know, in a dating situation, or when you meet a man, the the chopping knife is out front, and the lotus is kind of held back a little. And then, as you get to trust him, you could bring the lotus forward and pull back the knife a little, and then hopefully, eventually, pocket the knife.
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> that lotus
0: between you. I mean, that's your beautiful feminine. Um. So that's one image, a sort of a slow, you know, a slow replacement uh, or shifting that balance. But on the other hand, I know certainly that data teaches, and, and you have on your site. You say you teach women to relax through softening and open into their natural radiance and become an irresistible irresistible force of nature. That sounds like, you say, hold the lotus out in front. So how do you balance those two?
1: Well, it's exactly what you're saying, Adam, where over time, as the trust does build, the lotus opens more and does come forward and there is more room for that receptivity. And it's so purposeful in the beginning um, to have that discernment because men need that as well. Uh Women teach men how to show up and to be present. And so women give men feedback. And it's very, very useful. So if a man is doing something that isn't really in the best interest of the woman and... Well, for both people, actually, but let's say they're on a date and the man says something offensive and the woman snarls. It's just a little example. The man knows, hey, wait a second, I got out of line there. I'm disconnected from my heart and I'm not really thinking about this other person that I'm with. And so men and women teach each other as they're together especially in the beginning, and so it's a great way for them to find out uh, where the other person is on their spiritual path. Does that make sense?
0: It makes sense. If a woman starts during dinner, also, it's probably a good idea to cut back on the red meat. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it just crossed my mind. I don't. Or maybe
1: she needs a little bit more.
0: I wanted to go into the male and female before we close. And we talk about what would hold a woman back, what fears would hold her back from Radiance, from being her soft feminine beauty that men really crave so much. And I think we've decided that trust is a big one.
1: Yeah, but you know what, Adam? It's also a choice to not live in fear and to go out into the world and let everyone see her heart, to just assume that it's safe. It's an incredible paradox, you know, where you're just doing it anyways, and because the universe is holding you, and it doesn't matter what men are doing, there's that whole, you know, that perspective is really important as well. So, you know, we're talking specifically about dating, but as far as just being out in the world, uh, it is a moment to moment choice to not live in fear. Uh, for her to open her heart and make herself available and see who's drawn to her, see, you know, of course, the present conscious men are going to be drawn to something that beautiful.
0: And what about men? On your page, you said on your uh, homepage, you said that men grow stronger through practices that provide structure, clarity, and commitment. What fears hold men back from really inhabiting their masculine?
1: Mm, I would say that they're afraid of not being appreciated. They're afraid of being criticized and undermined. That that masculine uh, disconnected energy will come at them from women. And they're right. It happens a lot. And that they will then lose themselves and not know how to interact with that, not know how to protect themselves. And really, what women need when they're in that place is a lot of acceptance. Of course, those things come from fear as well. But for the man to just stay there with them and to keep being present, regardless of the wild emotions that come at them, but for a man to stay in his center and for him to do that, the practices. Um, include meditating and grounding and spending time with other men so that they can get really solid in themselves and who they are regardless of uh, what's coming at them, especially from a woman. And men often don't understand women's emotions because they're so different and can
0: often feel out of control. (laughs) Really? Let me follow up on that one with men. You said the practice for men, I think this is really where I want to, really where I want to close and to get some practical advice for men in relationships or while uh, uh, Practice for men to be fearless without being a jerk or a bully or, you know. But so what is it to be fearless for a man with women? And what exactly are those practices and, and what sort of spiritual practices might, might be useful? You mentioned meditation, certainly.
1: Yes. Grounding.
0: What did you mean by grounding?
1: Grounding, feeling his feet on the floor and breathing, breathing down into his pelvis, feeling himself as a man, feeling the silence. The masculine is all about silence. And so really resting into that and staying present even when a woman is upset and not getting defensive, not being thrown off by that.
0: I wish I had learned this when I was younger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there there was another piece piece that you asked me about that as well. What was it?
0: Um, I was asking about the spiritual, what spiritual practices. You mentioned meditation. Of course, there's so many different kinds. Um, You're talking about grounding yourself in your body and being present and not getting defensive as a second one. And you said also the third one was spending time with men, obviously not with any men. (laughs)
1: No, with other conscious men who are on the same path. My husband facilitates men's groups and he leads them through different practices so that they can help each other to get stronger and more focused and to learn how to deal with different challenges, whether it's with work or with women, the things that are important to men, so that they can feel really solid in their lives and feel supported that's the most important thing is for each person to feel supported and then and to practice with their own sex and then when they go back into relationship together then they've got a solid ground that they can stand on and they don't feel so isolated like they're doing it all themselves you know we're all just practicing as we go along
0: exactly and i'm really glad you mentioned the support thing because in many ways obviously modern particularly american culture is so cut off from traditional family support, and the kind of immersion you used to have in community, we're just mobile, it's not matter mm. of good, we're just a very different kind of world now, and a lot of couples, particularly who are cut off from traditional family support or community or even town support, think that everything that's wrong in the relationship is what's wrong with the other person, rather than seeing that there are larger spiritual or structural issues about masculine and feminine, for example. You know?
1: yeah, exactly, yeah. That's a really great point. And that's the other thing, that men and women can get feedback from each other and then, of course, relate to each other's experiences and not feel so alone and then also just get some practical direction, especially for men who like concrete direction that they can go back in with, and that really helps. Well, it
0: sounds like you guys are doing great work. If uh, If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that?
1: They can go to our website, which is passionpurpose.org. They can call me at 415-302-1700. I do phone coaching throughout the country, and I also meet people individually or as couples, and my husband and I meet with couples as well so people can get the masculine and the feminine perspective at the same time, which is very useful.
0: Sounds like you've got it worked out up there in Marin County there.
1: Yeah, (laughs) we're having a great time doing it as well.
0: It's great that you uh, have that relationship and are able to share that and thereby actually um, expressing exactly what you said a relationship should do, which is give back to the community and give back to the world.
1: Yeah, thank you, Adam. I feel really, really
0: blessed. Sounds like it. And thank you so much for taking the time, um, Lorraine Blatt. And this is, you've been listening to uh, The Fearless Lover, where we learn every week something else about the spiritual roots of how to create a life of love, something that we really want, but usually don't want to take the time or effort to actually create. So thank you so much, Lorraine.
1: Thank you, Adam, and it's worth it. It's definitely worth
0: it. Yes. This is Adam Gilak for The Fearless Lover here on Personal Life Media. Go to the personallifemedia.com for other amazing shows with fascinating hosts and guests, and I'll see you next week.